Ramble. Hey guys, in today's episode, we want to include a trigger warning because we're going to be talking about mental health, including OCD, depression, eating disorders, and just coping in general. We think it's a really great episode, so enjoy. Hello and welcome to the feelings episode of The Tripod. Today, we are going to talk about uh, mental health. We're going to talk about uh, my journey with OCD, something that I realized, weirdly, that I've never really talked about to the audience and I've never talked about to you guys Mm -hmm. Um, but also it's a tough year i I think people are sad and rightfully so and uh with an election coming up those feelings might be more pronounced and we want to share our experience maybe some ways we cope and and really just let you know that those feelings are valid Mm -hmm. uh so we're here we're just four bros we're going to talk about feelings five bros miles you you can talk about feelings too thanks zach you got a mouthful of Donut? Miles? No, I mean a donut. Miles brought, brought donuts for us today. Thanks, Miles. No problem. I figured because it was a feelings episode, we kind of <laughs> wanted to have like a. <laughs> I gotta eat my feelings. That that's for sure. Yeah, that's why. I, oh, I ate wow. two donuts already, and they were delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might have a third during this pod. We'll I know. See. I'm gonna have a sugar rush. We're gonna be talking about sad <laughs> stuff, and I'm gonna be like, I oh, know, I oh, know. It was great. It was great. I just talked about it, and I felt better. Can you show off, Miles, your double donut setup? Uh, yeah, you, so. He's stacking two donuts on top of each other. Oh, my. Oh, you're... I took a bite of this one, and then I took a bite of the second one. Oh, so it wasn't <clears throat> like a giant sandwich. I didn't do a sandwich. I've seen sometimes, Keith, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but they'll do... Burgers. The donut and then a burger in the yeah. between. Oh, I had that once at brunch in Pasadena. It was a good... <gasps> oh, too no. Much. It was yeah. too much. I, so <laughs> two, like, Krispy Kreme donuts with a burger patty in the middle. Before we get into the mental health, can we talk about, we talk about weird burgers just for a second? I, uh, nothing would make me happier. I think that those are too far. However... Too Wait, so Our what's place, a weird burger? Like an, uh, just something that like incorporates something that would otherwise be a breakfast food. Gotcha. Like I think when eggs are on burgers, makes perfect sense. Delicious. Yeah. And there's I places think the that line's do, different for different people, right? Yeah. Like, you know, some people might think eggs on burgers is weird. French but, toast buns. Uh, mm, I, I feel like that's it. that's with it. That's in inside that's not, the boundary. That's egg and sweet. But I've had a peanut butter burger where there's peanut butter on the bun, and that sounds like that would be revolting. And actually quite good weirdest mm. burger you can think of see if you find the limit mm. the limit does not exist <gasps> wow but i don't like them. what about jelly beans on a burger I like yeah. burgers i would say that's no, I really love, excusable I, oh you don't like the, burgers. you know yeah. so that means the Un, limit does exist for unconventional you. no burgers. but it doesn't exist for these chefs yeah, oh. you know, I typically prefer the classic burger too. I'll sometimes yeah, mess yeah, with a yeah. little like bacon blue cheese oh. situation oh. but like usually it's like you got to compare burgers against the gold standard Junior bacon cheeseburger from Wendy's is a good, like, standard, perfect, like, bacon cheeseburger, in my opinion. Like, it's not too much patty. The problem is some people, they think you got to put all the meats on a burger. Now, I obviously have the most experience because I eat a lot of fast food. But, man, you don't need more meat on the burger. If anything, you just need more balance. Burgers are supposed to be a perfectly balanced sandwich between the toppings, the condiments, the meat, the cheese, etc. You know what's gotten a little too full of themselves and needs to, like, take it down a couple notches? Bison burgers. <laughs> like yeah. bison burgers, they're always be costing eighteen dollars, like a six dollar, four dollars, eight dollar surcharge, and it's not better. It's 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 denser. It's mm-hmm. not as it's juicy. Not as fatty. It's typically like like drier. So let's move on to the meat of the episode. Let's, oh, see what I did there? Oh, so you're talking about meat. Uh, 
put yeah, the fat to the fat for a minute. <laughs> I mean, you guys have, I guess I've told you that I have had OCD, but do you know, like, I don't even know that we've talked about it in the six years of friendship. I don't think so. If if you, like, asked me, like, specifically what you, how your OCD manifested, yeah. I don't think I could, I don't think I could. I would say a symptom say. would be incredible email like Refreshing skills. emails, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must refresh emails every 30 seconds. Um, so I got diagnosed with OCD, I want to say in sixth or seventh grade. Wow. Um, and it was weird. I, part of the reason why I, you know, feel compelled to talk about it now and why I've talked about history with depression and other things is because when I was a kid, I felt very uh, scared, alone, and, and just like confused with like, why is my brain this way? And one day in health class, I saw this list and it was uh, famous thinkers, poets, uh, filmmakers, like Stanley Kubrick was on the list. That's the only one I remember. Uh, but it was these people, incredible people. And like the question was, what do they all have in common? They all have OCD. And I was like, wow, maybe like, maybe my brain's different because it makes me creative. And it was just this moment that really helped me feel not alone. And in fact, made this thing that was a, a difference about me that many could see as a negative as a as a positive attribute. I always think about, you know, when you were building your characters in The Sims and you had like 20 points and you could either make them like super athletic or balanced or super creative. I'm like, okay, that's why I suck at everything else because I just have all these creative points. <laughs> all the points are put into the cool looking mm -hmm. hat and the mm -hmm. rollerblades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. <laughs> um, uh, and part of how I, I diagnosed actually was I saw a movie where a character had OCD and I was super quiet after the movie for about a half an hour. My mom, normally, you know, I would talk about the movie and my mom was like, what's going on? And I finally was like, I think I have that. Uh, and so we went and got tested and I, you know, filled out a form and talked to a therapist and found that. So um, the I had a thing called, I think it was called like replacement OCD, where basically any time I would get a symptom under control, another one would pop up. Uh, which was a very frustrating uh, path in my childhood. Like, um, like, um, what's an example of that? Like whack-a-mole. Oh, oh, like, yeah, like no, <laughs> no, like, what, what would be something that you would have accomplished, and then a new thing would pop up? Well, so I'll say, yeah, the biggest things um, where I was obsessed with symmetry. Um, where both visual and physical. So middle school is a time where like someone would see you in the hall and they'd be like, "What's up, Cornfeld?" and punch you in the shoulder. Like your bros would do that. And so if someone would hit me here. I would have to hit myself on the other side. Mm, I was just no. like mm -hmm. it, it, and like if I didn't, if like my arm were pinned, I would get so physically uncomfortable that I would almost vibrate. Like I just oh. couldn't. Um, the worst I remember, you know, I should say also, I don't think that this conversation is triggering. Hopefully, I don't think that my symptoms are. But you know, if if that is a thing, I just want you to be warned. That's what we're going to be talking about. This Trigger warning about burgers as well. For you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have extreme burger opinions. Uh, what I remember uh, so much was the banister. We had these like cold metal banisters. And if my wrists would touch it, I would have to like contort my body around to, to touch my other wrist on it in a way where I didn't look like a total psychopath. Um, one that I do still that is very weird is I will look at a wall and I will just draw the longest uninterrupted line from point to point. So if I'm looking, and it's, it doesn't make sense. Like if I'm looking at you guys, there's kind of a break in the middle where the curtains parted, mm -hmm. but I would look at Keith's shoulder to neck where that meets to the edge of that curtain. I'd go, okay, that's the longest line I can draw. I guess actually technically it's from Ned's shoulder to that one. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just look for the longest line mm. and I, I establish it 
and I reestablish it and I reestablish it over and over again. Now that begs the question, why? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know where this started. I don't know where it comes from. And it's a lot more under control now. But when I was in middle school, like I couldn't pay attention in any class. I would just be staring at the fucking wall. I'd be cleaning dirt out from under my fingernails. I would be, um, you know, playing, you know, with the sensation. Uh, and as a kid, it was really challenging. Um, oh, another fucking one. Drawers and cabinets. Drew, drove me insane if they were ajar and this actually still drives me crazy maggie will like not close the bathroom cabinet all the way which is weird because i'm not a neat person you know my room's a mess i can handle any clutter but if a drawer is open i can't stand it and mm. so we had in home ec you put the clutter inside the drawer <laughs> and, then and close it. smash it <laughs> um in my home ec class we had these old ass cabinets and one was just permanently kind of open oh. and you couldn't do it and so i would like get up in the middle of class while the teacher was talking and oh, just wow. try and like <laughs> fucking close it and then she's like what are you doing i'm like oh nothing um i just okay i'll sit back down but i had to like i couldn't be in that class i couldn't exist in that class i would come wow. up with excuses to go to the bathroom to go to the nurse's office it just so deeply unsettled me uh and again in a way that i can't understand hmm. So what sort of things do you still have now that you would file as as equivalently irritating as that cabinet maybe because that you know I'm, I imagine you've had some growth and not everything upsets you in the same way anymore but you probably have some things. Now. Yeah I mean honestly there are other ones that I kind of forget that have gone away but those most of the ones that I listed are still to a large extent true. Um, How like, does that affect your cinematography? I don't know. I don't know if it makes it better or worse great I, lines i just really long line shots yeah yeah you know you got to make sure there's that one really dope guiding line uh-huh i i Oops, don't i cut my penis in this beautifully long line <laughs> wall i don't know if it makes me i think i just maybe focus on things that other people don't i don't know if that's true but like just the way that keith's tongue experiences flavor differently i I only have ever known my brain, so I can't compare it to another. Um, I guess I, I got it to a point where it was no longer debilitatingly distracting and it was just there. I think that, frankly, I can and should do a better job at continuing to work through these things. But I basically, at some point in my early 20s, got it to a point where I'm like, ah, I could live with this. Mm. <laughs> and I just then uh, coasted. And I haven't been to therapy in a, in a long time. I, I regret that. I let my work take uh, control. But I do notice still to this day that when I am more anxious, when I am more sad or maybe stressed, I mean, stress is a big one, that they, the, the, the dial turns up on some of them. Um, but picking my nails, I do all the time. I mean, a lot of those things uh, are still true. I mean, I hate dirt I think on my nails. having like a, a nervous habit or something like that is like very, like everybody has one or two. Like I... Um, Maybe sometimes people see me like I do like this with my fingers. Mm. What I'm doing is I'm playing chromatic scales on the French horn. No. Because I spent like seven years doing muscle memory of French horn scales. And one of the things I taught you even is like when you're watching TV shows, you can just run through scales. So like I'll always be like doing this. And like Becky always thought like she was like, I don't, why do you do that? And I didn't I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, because it's this. And she thought it was maybe something of a bigger problem. Maybe it is. I just like just always do this. And I, I'm always um, playing music in my mind off of everything. Like uh, I'll squeeze my toes 
knees and then butt cheeks to play a scale. <laughs> I, I'll go like I kind of move it through yeah. my body wow. and then I'll do it with my fingers. I'll do it with my toes. I'll do it in my, with my teeth. I do a version of that. Not as I'm not as musical as you, so I'm probably not doing as good a scale. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, sounds like yeah. I'm always doing that, and and I found that. Maybe it's maybe it's related to that because in in general it's it's squeezing right like that's ultimately what the it is and if I'm like hyper stressed I'll like grip my hands while I'm sleeping and I'll wake up oh. and my my hands will be like sore or even like not dislocated but strained and wow. like it'll be basically be uh, I pull the muscle in my sleep <gasps> from gripping my hands because something oh, wow. upset me late in the day and I couldn't shake it and I while I was asleep I will like grip. So okay, I'm like punching your teeth. Pen but. stuff. Like anytime I hold a pen, I'll just twit twirl <laughs> oh, it. Oh yeah, like, you are a pen all player. the time. Just twirl it absentmindedly. I can like twiddle it like this, but my favorite is to just twirl it like right around my thumb and then catch it. You can do that. I can do that a whole bunch. Uh, but then you, I can't like do it. You know, a hundred times in a row. So I'll just keep doing it and then drop the pen and do it and then drop the pen. Oh man, it gets it gets very annoying for both me and other people in meetings. If you're just sitting there talking and it's like clatter, 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 clatter. Oh man, the click of a pen, I would drive people insane in class. Oh yeah, fidget spinners. I remember you being really into fidget spinners and fidget blocks when those came out. You were like very like this is so helpful for me and I spinners. I never did, but the cube. Yeah, the cube. You were in the the textures and the different textures. I know you always say you like the feeling of a lot of things that are like little squishers. Squishers and buttons. And yeah. Yeah. Love pushing a good button. I, mean, I guess I have a lot. I'd say one thing is I um, will. I have I have severe insomnia. Part right. of it is because I only have nightmares. But a lot of it is I think someone's always about to kill me. So I, th- I have to get up even though I know mm. they're locked to check every window and door. Okay, that sounds crazy. And see, I sound like it doesn't, a crazy no, person. That doesn't sound that crazy. I, Even I, if it's no. like 2 a.m., I'll go and then I'll check the garage I door. I'll check sometimes the, too. Yeah. Now it helps because we have the digital app. lock so I can look at the right. But what app. if the Wi-Fi fails? I'm so sorry. I know. It's, <laughs> that's it's, what it's I, know. I totally get that. I, especially when I'm in a place that's foreign to me and I'm leaving. Like yeah. if I, I rarely am the last person to leave this office, right? So when I leave, I will do a full circle. And I'll be like, mm, what if I missed one? And I'll do it a whole nother circle. And maybe I'll even be like, did I really check the bathroom window? I'll do one more circle. Some some of those things I have that same where I, I am very sure I fucked up and I have to triple check myself. Well, and you guys yeah. already broke into my house once. Right. <laughs> so, I know. Yeah, it's bad. Have Matt, you ever had Matt's a really annoyed by it. No, I don't think. Well, no, I've had regular dreams, but I've just accepted that my dreams are generally someone dies in it. Someone I know usually dies in it. Mm-hmm. And it's usually like <gasps> the other day you said you had a dream about me hosting something. Did I die? No, that no, one was okay. You killed it. Oh, you killed it. Oh, you killed it. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. I don't think that's mental health oriented dreams. That's just, you know, how your brain works when you're asleep. I don't think it really disturbs <laughs> I'm sure there is some mental health, but I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't know what you would diagnose I do grind as. my teeth as, when I sleep. My older brother, oh, Brian, yeah. also mostly has yeah. nightmares, or at well, least used to mostly and have And sleep paralysis. And, and yeah, well, all of the Habersburger boys have had their share of sleep paralysis experiences, and those are odd um you met your demon once right we talked about i only about met this. my demon once he, he was standing on the edge of my bed without a head it was very alarming yeah. um so but- uh, what i'm curious uh because we all kind of mentioned in a, in a little bit <laughs> really scary there, there are a lot of um 
so there are a lot of things that I was able to hide for a long time. There are other ones that I, I don't want to tell you about because I still hide them from you and I uh, don't want mm-hmm. it. You know, it's, I get that. Whatever. I've okay. told you enough. But then when I moved in I with, feel bad about our, our office kitchen now. Man, the drawers in there are rough. Almost I, unclosable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> many, that many of them unclosable. <laughs> I'll come in on the weekend and Will will have left it open as if like a tornado <laughs> or like a ghost is living in the house. Like every single door and cabinet is open. But I can't be mad because he's here all alone mm-hmm. with the rats. So I'm thinking about <laughs> things that um that no one noticed I did because I was able to hide until I moved in with Maggie uh-huh. and now it's like oh so so another one that this developed later those in my, are my life butt marbles <laughs> <laughs> get away from those Maggie those are the marbles I keep in my butt <laughs> I need those <laughs> I, Keith I said I wasn't going to reveal all of I my know, I'm trying to guess now <laughs> so just one thing I just kind of do this and I just go like I just do a little sound in my throat and I, it's just the sensation of the vibration in my throat and I never like You've never know. I don't think you've ever noticed that, but I do it a lot. And when I'm in bed or when we're watching TV, she's like, "Why are you?" <laughs> and and you know, it uh, took a conversation for her to be like, "Oh, okay, that's just a tick that you have, and I will not uh, uh, ask about it again." <laughs> yeah, I won't make fun of you for it or anything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Are there things that your partners have noticed? I don't know. I don't have a. I mean, be- yeah, like I said, Becky saw me doing the the, the, the finger twitching thing, um, uh, and I know that like. It's interesting because like when you're trying to self-diagnose yourself with something and you immediately you go to like WebMD, right? And it just tells you you have cancer. But when you, it just always does no matter what. It's like, I have, my arm is sore. It's like, you're dying. Um, but like when you're trying to look up like, is this a mental health um, related symptom or is it just a nervous tick that's not such a big deal? And I think that's right. a really hard thing to figure out. And I think that's why going to a therapist is important or finding out if you think you have something why not find out if you don't think you have something maybe you don't like I don't I've never really done therapy I don't know if any of my nervous tics are a part of a greater thing with me I know I have incredible uh, phone anxiety I hate being called. I hate answering the phone. I oh, hate really? calling people. I'm sorry I called you the other day. No, if it's if it's people <laughs> I, I call know, you all the it's time. It's fine. <laughs> if it's it's unknown numbers uh-huh. or if I'm waiting like let's say someone is coming to install internet and I know they're supposed to call at a certain time, I will like do nothing other than wait for that call and be incredibly nervous about hmm. when that call will happen and I don't know why there's no reason for that, but it's a thing that I have and I just like Oof. Hate phone calls. Hate the mystery. I think Good it's the you're mystery. Not like an actor, actor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can you imagine like waiting for the every audition? single day? You're like waiting on oh, an audition that, announcement. That phone made call. me. That totally drove me nuts. Like when I was doing acting and like finding out or like re- reloading a page to find out if you've gotten an email because you're waiting some important college news acceptance drove me crazy. Or mm-hmm. like a cast list if you were mm-hmm. in college and waiting for that. Any kind of anticipation of unknown information drives me so bonkers with anxiety. Just to close the loop on OCD, and then I uh, I want to move on to yeah. other mental health. Um, you know, I was on medication. I was on Zoloft for for years and years and years. I found it immensely helpful. That's the one um, with the little happy ball. He's the Pebble? little sad ball in the and rain, then and then he becomes happy, happy ball. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. Happy ball, sad ball. I mean, I have a, a long history of depression in my family. I was depressed as a kid, in addition to the OCD, as uh, we've talked about. So um, I don't think that medication is just a cure-all band-aid but if you have you know chemical imbalances are real so there is no shame there should be no shame or stigma about it if you need help then then you should seek it out or just talking to a therapist uh is something that can help all, all people yeah and then there is like there is the uh 
colloquialization of OCD. If people, people like, you know, you hear people say it very like, oh, I have this OCD. And I, it's been so long since I've been diagnosed. I don't know the actual difference mm-hmm. for me, you know, having OCD, it's, it's when it breaks to a point where it is debilitating and distracting in your life. Um, but you know, like, I think it is okay for, at least for me, like having friends try and share their experiences of things that are, are habits. Like we all have things doesn't mean that you have OCD, uh, right. but it could mean, you know, it's a way. So you're not insulted by me and Keith's hand business. No, I, I think it's a, it's a way that people are trying to um, empathize and understand what right. you're going through and share their own experiences to help you feel less alone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys want to hear about a time I had a panic attack recently? It's only funny because of the circumstance. Now, I I, <laughs> I, I think maybe I've had a panic attack like once in my life other than this other occurrence. But we recently shot an Eat the Menu Jack in the Box. And let me just tell you, there's a lot of things on the Jack in the Box menu. More than I even realized. Like more than the Taco Bell. And also, unlike Taco Bell... It, each bite that I had to take was bigger of food and I've never gone through and eat the menu that was that um, debilitating to me and then we had this really fun idea and this is a spoiler but you, you know, you're listening to the Tripod you get those spoilers that there's a munchies meal which is a section of the Jack in the Box menu that's aimed at people who are stoned <laughs> So we thought, wouldn't it be a good idea for me to get high to eat those four items because that's who they're for. We can get the high person's review. So I got high on this joint and I don't know how, but I got way too high, like so high. Like un- like it was like a fluke <laughs> joint. It was a joint from a, a pre-roll pack that I've smoked before, no problem. I would like to back Keith up because I was here and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I'll take one hit of it. And I, from one hit, got so debilitated <laughs> that I, Miles actually knows because we did a, a podcast, a test podcast for a new show we have coming out next year and like I couldn't speak. And I, <laughs> Three I, hours later. I smoked the rest of that joint. <laughs> it was bad. Whoa. With was my head bad. in a paper mache jack-in-the-box head <laughs> that was full of glue. Oh, I remember that so footage now. basically I gave myself a decent amount of respiratory poisoning and also <laughs> was super fucking baked. Now, I was super baked also like at 80 85% completion of the menu. I've eaten a lot of food and instead of it the weed having the comical effect in movies of making me a jokester and a goofy giggle boy I became so sure that I was dying because of how bad I felt how nauseous I was how like overheated I was like I felt like I had a fever eating that much food you tend to get a little loopy yeah I was super loopy and I'm well, and then they also like they to keep the food hot and fresh. They were getting it in waves. So Keith got this stoned and then was sitting there at a table for about 15 20, minutes, 20 minutes, minutes which waiting. feels like an eternity. Like an eternity. <laughs> and also like because we're bosses, everyone around me technically works for me and I'm way too high and I, I feel guilty and I feel bad. And all of these emotion, the emotions from that and the physical like certainty that I had, I was killing myself with low quality meat in one sitting. They're like, this can't be good for you to do this, right? We all know it's not good for me, but how bad is it for me? So then I started thinking maybe I'm dying. And then I start like full on having a panic attack, but I, I don't want to tell anyone I'm having a panic attack because I don't want them to be concerned for me, which I think is something that happens to people who have panic attacks. So I'm basically silently, like my brain is exploding and then I'm like, you know what? We're filming this. We have to use it. I'm just going to start 
talking and i just like everybody roll the cameras if i'm gonna be in this much pain we're gonna roll on <laughs> and i'm just screaming that i'm dying and it's funny to me being like i think i'm dying and i walked back the edit and i don't look as insane as i certainly felt right i look actually pretty normal but in that moment it was as if the whole world was blurred like it is when you're on a merry-go-round like the world was spinning around me wow. and like I couldn't focus on people and like my heart was like racing and like I was sweating and I was confused and like I and then Alexandria's like Keith you look green and I'm like that's not good <laughs> <laughs> that's not good and I was basically just like totally freaking out and and I realized out of the fact I think this was a it was a culmination of things that also included a panic attack and a panic attack while being super stoned and also feeling terrible. But I, you know, have friends who have had panic attacks and have them maybe more frequently. And it allowed me to at least understand the fear that happens in a panic attack. And it's like sort of unjustified fear. Like it's just an overreaction, but it's how people's bodies respond. So it helped me like kind of understand what it is like for someone to go through that normally or to have that when there actually is something like that's scary i get it hmm. but it was funnier for hmm. me because i was also talking to a plastic jack-in-the-box <laughs> the entire time asking him what is the meaning of all this <laughs> he goes nothing man he was like nothing We're just I here just, there's so much food on that menu that menu is not good for you uh, i will say that <laughs> well, <laughs> i wouldn't recommend is, it i i think and maybe i hope that this is probably one of the saddest this is probably the saddest year that any oh, of us have ex- ever experienced. I hope it's the saddest year we ever do experience. Uh, I don't know. What, how have you guys been? You know, I have family that listens to this podcast. And culture, culturally, um, we don't diagnose things in Asian culture. We right. don't diagnose things in a lot of cultures of color. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's psychiatry is weird. Therapy is forbidden. Like, we don't do that. And it's really ironic because my dad was a doctor at a mental institution. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that actually in his defense is because his patients were so severely mentally ill that their families abandoned them. They were, they were so debilitated (laughs) that they, they were residents. So I think anything even within his family, he couldn't see like if I had a problem, if my sisters had a problem, if his wife had a problem, if he had a problem, it doesn't compare to what his work was. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I don't want to be feeling like you're on that level. And I think that especially with my experience with Asian culture, like the, the, passing of mental illness which often runs in many families like it's inherited it's a form of inherited trauma and then people don't ever speak about it they don't recognize it they certainly don't diagnose it so then it's just passed down and it's part of that whole like um if you don't speak of it then you can overcome it Mm -hmm. and i think the overcoming is really interesting because uh for my experience at least i don't know if this is for other people from you know similar backgrounds it's it's this weird double-edged sword of being taught how to be high functioning. So I was both very high functioning as a person, um, perfect decorum, manners, good grades, do well in school. Everything was like forced upon me in that way. So therefore everything, if I'm a high functioning uh, human, then there's no way that I could be depressed. There's no way that I could have a mental disorder. And I think that's how a lot of, at my, at the very least, what I've seen with, um, with Asians, I've seen a lot of people who have had severe breakdowns, especially in their young adult lives, where they're out of the nest, and even their parents have breakdowns, but it's because they're not within this like forced sort of mm-hmm. um, contract of silence. And I think it's really interesting because now, even now I'm like a grown ass adult man. And my fear of even talking about this now is because I know family members who still tell me not to talk about this stuff. will hear it and be like, why the hell would you talk about your problems or your family that way? Because it makes us look, for lack of a better term, crazy. It makes us look right. like we are, um, 
it gives us more problems than the problems we're already dealing with. The high functioning thing is, um, it's so, I mean, even though I am a bumbling fool in every, all of our videos, I, you know, had points in my life where I was high functioning OCD, high functioning depressive, and that sets you up for such a potential collapse. I don't mean to speak uh, about you, just no, about fine. myself. Like when, when your life is going great, then great. But then the second you falter professionally or creatively or whatever it is, the whole facade comes crumbling down. And so it's a really dangerous position to be in potentially. Yeah, I'll share one thing because I think I'm just going to center on myself. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, so I for sure suffered from eating disorders. And it's pretty common, I think, in certain families. Like I often like joke about this anecdote about, you know, my parents pushing the leftovers towards me and away from my sisters. This is very common in a lot yeah. of Asian families. Um, that alone, you know, they didn't do it in a in a way that that was supposed to like they they weren't thinking they're doing anything besides trying to like fit some sort of mold yeah that they were taught you yeah know, girls should be skinny boys should be strong right um but that like seed is something that sort of spread like a sort of like a like a virus if you will and so you know my weird relationship with food i mean one thing i wanted to say but then i realized how loaded it was without an explanation is during this pandemic one thing that's been really exa ex exacerbated to a certain degree is i probably say to matt my partner every day i'm fat or i feel fat at least 30 times a day so i'll stop eating and say i'm fat times. i feel fat i feel fat no and he he has his own slight version of it as like a gay man who's trying to like stay fit but it's certainly this like feeling that you know even even food itself is something that um somehow uh, fuels my my sadness which is really strange because you know, if you've ever had any like shade of an eating disorder, it it you need food to survive. It's like one of the mm -hmm. most brutal relationships that can get twisted in your brain. And y'all have seen it on sets constantly because I often, often it is like so well known about me. I don't eat when I film. Yeah. And I say I just need coffee because food slows me down. That's like my thing. <laughs> but I think in all honesty, I say that because I have used the high functioning excuse that everyone's like Eugene is so such a hard worker and he's so good that of course he doesn't need to eat. That's like his 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 magic. Mm -hmm. But in truth, it's because I feel I feel sick when I eat. I feel like especially being on camera, I feel like I look bad, I feel bad, and it it, it it's this really I think it's seeded from that first, you know, brush and experience mm -hmm. when I was young with with eating disorders. But that is I, I think now I'm actually realizing now all those excuses I make that people have believed, or I've fed people to believe feeds into this high functioning narrative yeah it definitely mm -hmm. is right? that uh, yeah. like oh i just need coffee and You've then heard you me end say up so many doing times. amazing work and then we're like well i guess he does just need coffee but that doesn't seem like he shouldn't have just eaten a salad too. and then what do i joke about i say when i drive home i'll buy oh you'll 80 dollars like dinners at once right. yeah. yeah even now i'm like what would have been great as a child or even anyone listening who's going through that is to have a support system and i don't blame my family for the history or the culture because mental illness is really, really taboo, especially for for Asians. But I do wish that even me and my sisters had an avenue to speak with each other about it. Because now, as thirty somethings, we're finally touching upon it uh -huh. and like s discussing the trauma. But we never spoke about how that affected us as kids. In fact, we exacerbated it for each other. I used sure to joke my sister was chubby all the time as a kid right. because it was like the brotherly thing I did, and my parents would would j would jab her about it, and it really messed her up and at the same time she would turn to me and be and you know say stuff about like how girly i am and things like that so it's like 
it's it's crazy how I think that in the end, so much of this is just being able to listen to someone and and just be able to accept everything that they might be be experiencing, even if it is dark or sad. I think it's just such a normal part of life. And I think that a lot of what unfortunately affected me was making me feel like it was so abnormal and not okay. Uh, not having a place to speak about it. Yeah, it's so weird that mm-hmm. Asian people, or I know a lot of people of color, especially like they think therapy is is makes is you weak. Weird, it, weak. Yeah. yeah, it was certainly. I would never have even known therapy was an option until, honestly, like we did the Try Guys therapy video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I desperately mm-hmm. did not want to interrupt you during that, uh, but just and I normally I feel like wouldn't need this, but uh, talking about all this made me so badly want to just center this t- uh, donut box. So I'm going to do that, <laughs> <laughs> and in the safety of this room, uh, uh, know that I can do that. I think uh, you know. I think. It's important. Surprising to, uh, you're not a mathematician or something. <laughs> I'm terrible at math. <laughs> I'm so bad. That's the worst thing too. Like you would think with my quirks, they'd be like, oh, he should be so good at like structure and geometry, order. right? No, I hated oh, it. He likes <laughs> symmetry. He just likes things to look nice. Yeah, I just like touching stuff. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, what I can take from what you said, Eugene, is that like kids are unbelievably impressionable, right? Like it, like what you say to kids has lasting effects. That's why currently we're in this a very big overhaul in our social uh, being, at least uh, a lot of us, where we're like, okay, let's you know, make sure that kids have the option of whatever toy they want. Let's make sure they can dress however they want because expression of who you are is so pivotal in those early years. And when you're told something, it really sticks with you. Like I was like, called names for even being a little chubby as a kid and it made me like want to go on a diet as a 12 year old and like i wasn't that big but i i mean i i guess i was overweight for a 12 year old i mind attempted dieting also happened to correspond with an enormous growth spurt so that, it made, it, it, made it, it look like i lost weight i really just stretched my whole body and that, if you're it 12 same way. if you're 12 just wait let me tell first you first of all you you're allowed wait, to look yeah. whatever you look yeah. like your and, body is growing and the, and literally 12 year old yeah. and 13 year old is when it is in this middle stage of growing and it typically it doesn't look exactly how you want it to no matter what you do because it's in a phase of growing it like literally grows different parts at different paces so you look weird weirdly proportioned no matter what we've said it before middle pokemon are typically awkward it's yeah, fine you'll it's get true. there you'll become a, a blast someday yeah hell yeah you'll be hot as fuck. not as weird as the middle digimon <laughs> middle, and the base digimon are just bouncing heads yeah but then they get awkward and rando and uh-huh. then the last form is so hot scary scary, scary okay big. i mean scary yeah, I mean, yeah no I mean, scary hot. scary they're I mean, hot scary I mean, but they're hot. huge and like sexy <laughs> and it's it's scary how hot I'm they scared are by hotness. scary yeah they go from they go from like plushy pillows little heads <laughs> to full to full like blown, dinosaur dragons like everything wow. is a super charizard like, yes yeah which you know with luck we all can someday become dinosaur dragons on my way i'm on my way not to be totally reductive about mental health but the hope is that you can see it acknowledge it talk about it uh, and and get control of it, whether it is through uh, psychiatry or therapy. Um, I know, Ned, you had an experience where you experienced something dark and, you know, feel that you came out the other side stronger for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm a, a big fan of therapy. I've done it occasionally throughout my life, and it's been very helpful. I think the, the hardest uh, period of time for me uh, was... Ironically, it started out as the best year of my life. It was the, <laughs> the year I got married. Oh, so wow. there were so many wonderful things happening and so many so many great things. Um, but towards the fall of that year, I had a, a really traumatic injury. And I've, I've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but you can see it on my knee. There's a big zigzag scar. 
Uh, the boy who lived. The boy who lived. The <laughs> knee who lived. Hello, Voldemort. I'm just making my knee talk. I should draw a, draw a face on my knee or something. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! Um, but it was a very bad injury. It uh, was a cut that was so deep it uh, cut part of my my tendon. And uh, then uh, you know I went to the emergency room, got surgery, and then it got infected which is a really big deal. It's called yeah. like sepsis or septic knee. It's like how in like civil war era, people lost their legs or worse. Or, or yeah, their yeah, lives or, yeah, in many yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah. Can, it's basically spreading. So yeah, it's a little like bit about my joke now, but huh? <laughs> yeah, a little bit about my Harry Potter joke. But Oh no, it's all good. It would have been what Voldemort It does look want. cool. It's a very, very Evil. interesting scar. But yeah, real traumatic injury. <laughs> um, and I was in the hospital for almost a month and it was a couple of additional surgeries to keep opening it up and cleaning it out like manually in addition to like the most highest power antibiotics and uh, painkillers right they had yeah and oh for sure painkillers because it's all very very painful um and they would they actually said that like 50 years ago i would have died that just the technology wow didn't exist for that level of antibiotics that are just like full system things so it's like yeah really really rough and i don't even remember you know all of it, it just kind of bits and flashes, really. Um, but um, the the kind of the real mental health part came in the recovery. And this is why it's I think it's really helpful to, or it's really important to seek help, whether it's through ser- therapy or finding your support network, because both of those things were really necessary for me. Because, you know, imagine you go through this whole like three weeks, month long thing of like a lot of pain, and then you're finally kind of, able to start recovering again, um, but you still, you have a a lot of limited mobility. You're probably not able to work either because of a physical limitation. Like the lab I worked at required you to be able to lift 60 pounds to come back to work, right? I would never be able to work there. Oh, yeah, you really could. No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I had to take a physical in order to like go off disability leave and back to work. Fortunately, they, they had a, you know, I was getting partial paychecks through their disability company policy, but even that would have run out at some point. Um, but you know, even outside of any physical stuff, like mentally, your your brain is just in a fog because you have to take painkillers, you know, multiple times a day to help, like actually do the work of physical therapy and help yourself get through things. Um, and then it's very easy to have that, that point shift where maybe you're getting better and you don't really need the painkillers anymore, but you still have your prescription and it sort of, you don't really have anything positive in your life. And so it, it, you just kind of keep, keep taking them. Um, and it, it was really, it was the, the, my support network that helped me kind of realize what was happening, both like the physical therapist who I saw, you know, three times a week or the the psychi- psychologist psycho- I always the, confuse all of them psycho, psycho, psychotherapist psychotherapist yeah <laughs> you know the person I went to do just talk to yeah. once <laughs> a week mm. and and Ariel I you know I had just gotten married so this was like a, a big challenge that we were facing as a newly married couple all those helped me to realize that uh, I was you know pushing the limits of uh, of the painkillers that I didn't like really need them anymore that they were being detrimental to my mental health but it's like you just you feel like you feel bad you feel like you are like a you know lazy piece of shit but you also 
then try to realize that you're supposed to be doing that. You're like, you're supposed to be resting. Right. And like, if all you did was your, your physical therapy and played video games, like that's okay. Like that, that is like, you're doing, you're doing what you need for your body. But it's really, it, for someone that previously was like high achiever, like very productive, like always trying to cram as many things that I could do into my life. Like I would, you know, go to work like you're a, early. You're a doer. I'm a doer, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 It's like go from work to like rehearsal to a show. Like, Have you found that there are skills and coping mechanisms that you know you established in that time that you still use to this day? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is about um, letting yourself off the hook to kind of assuage those, those feelings of guilt and like telling yourself that it'll be okay and that if you know, if you want to if, if you want to try and change something about your life, the first thing is to like allow yourself to, you know, be forgiven for what you are not feeling great about. Um, that's it, good. it also, uh, it gave me, uh, the tools to like completely reassess my life. And the positive turn is that I kind of realized that I was in this, like, I was also go, 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 go that I, I wasn't, um, dedicating the, the space to, to really like take the next step in my, my career goals. Like, however it worked out, positive or negative, whether I went back to grad school or became the massively successful internet phenomenon that I am, <laughs> which I certainly, I certainly never expected. Um, but what? I would settle for just a paycheck. Really, really <laughs> no, but to took say, me out of it there. Uh, <laughs> but to say that more clearly, that, that was kind of a turning point in your life where yeah. you then decided to go after your dream of performing. I was, yeah, I was living in Chicago at that time, working yeah. at a lab and performing at night. And I, I just... I was doing like going from one show to the next and it was just this like stasis of I had my job, I was doing all these shows and when one show closed, like there was another one that I was working on and I could have done that for years and just hoped every year when August the SNL scouts came around like maybe one year that'll be my year. Yes. I've got a golden ticket. <laughs> but then you would, I probably would have found myself, you know, years later Working uh, at Groupon. No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the Chicago thing. Yeah, a lot of a lot of improvisers worked at Groupon. There's like employed yeah. almost every Chicago improviser somewhere. Wow. But you know, there's there's more and more of a desire for stability as you get older. To say nothing of starting a family, you know, it's like I I remember looking at a job posting like in the suburbs of Boston, working for like renewable energy consulting and kind of this more like hybrid like scientist MBA type mm -hmm. role. I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. I bet I would be into that. But like, can you imagine what that, that have been totally giving up on any sort of entertainment yeah. dream. Like you're not going to be able to do any sort of uh, stuff in the, in that location. Yeah. So, yeah. so we took that break in my life where I had to quit all my shows, had to take time off work to reassess, to plan uh, to move to Los Angeles. Hell and yeah. it was, you know, packing a whole bunch of stuff in a car and moving out here. Um, fortunately, Ariel was able to get a job in her field that gave me the flexibility to figure things out because it's certainly not something you can just apply yeah. on a website and just figure out. Although, ironically, I did get my job at BuzzFeed by applying <laughs> on a website. Same as well. <laughs> I think what you said earlier about, uh, you know, if you're upset about something or a place you're in, allowing yourself to forgive yourself is a really good thing. And I think that applies really well to the pandemic that we're in. I think all of us are looking at ourselves feeling like I'm not doing enough. I'm, or maybe I'm, 
eating. Uh, my diet isn't as good as it used to be, but I think it's important to remember that this is a very specifically different time where everyone's experiencing more loneliness than normal. Everyone's experiencing a lack of ability to be productive, which makes you feel unfulfilled. Yeah. And that I think I go through it a lot where I'm like, oh, I, I have not exercised really since the first month of the pandemic. I've certainly like let my eating be like whatever I want. And part of that is justified by like, that's all I got left now. It's like, that's <laughs> the only thing I can rely on is a good flavor from somewhere. Yeah. Um, but because I really am such a social person that like, that's how I would get my exercise. Normally I would like go on walks with people or I'd go like out dancing on a Saturday night and I'd dance yeah, for like four hours. For sure. And like, I that's just not available to me. And, and Becky and I are the same in that way. And we have to just remind ourselves sometimes that like that right now is just about getting through it. <laughs> yeah. well, let's, let's, you know, we, we've given ourselves the shot. What's the chaser, right? Like mm-hmm. the, yeah. this is an exceptionally sad time this year. Yeah. This year uh, objectively sucks for all people uh, and it's scary. So like I have had to develop new coping mechanisms. And, and by the way, like there is a difference between, you know, capital D depression and being sad. Uh, and if you are depressed, you should seek help. Yeah. But right now, I think it's very natural and common to be sad. sad. Yeah. Uh, and so I've had to change some things. Um, I'm curious what you guys do. One thing I noticed for myself is I can't look at the news at night. Uh, I Now, I don't shut the news off because that is being willfully ignorant in a time where you should not be. You should be vigilant. And But, you know, if I, I, I listen to my podcast in the morning, I catch up on the news, I catch up on Twitter, then I put a time lock on how long mm. I can be on social media in a day. I break it every single day. I just type in a little yeah, code and course. keep going for an extra 15 minutes. Uh, but, you know, if Maggie and I are at dinner... Like the snooze button. Yeah. Oh, I fucking <laughs> snooze like crazy on my social media hygiene. But if we're at dinner... And we talk about like, uh, you know, like I, I posted something the other day asking people who are undecided voters, why are, you know, are you not voting? And I was just reading the replies and I got scared that Trump is going to win again. And I just fell into this deep, deep well of anxiety. And for some reason at night, I know for me, I, I fall. I, I, I just helplessly fall and I can't get up. I'm Alice spiraling down into whatever. Uh, so that's just for me. Now I know that like at night I need to watch happy stuff (laughs) i need to put on you know comedy has been a great escape for me and it's permission to allow myself uh to feel good which also feels really fucking weird because it's a really bad time for a lot of people and to even to smile at all you kind of feel guilty but you have to you have to smile i asked you a question and then i talked (laughs) for me it's just having making something to look forward to and that can be as small as like uh a place you haven't eaten in a long time and you're like oh we're gonna eat there this weekend or uh i'm gonna do like a hiking trip with my brother in new mexico that i tried to do a while ago and had to cancel and we've rescheduled it and we're trying to do it for like five months now <laughs> but and, that means you've been looking forward to it for but, a long but time now it's really happening and i'm looking forward to it and it's like it it's not so i never have gone on a hiking trip in my life that's the last thing I would want to do is go hike every day. But that's like, to me, like, well, this is going to be exciting. It'll be a reason to get some exercise back in. It'll be a unique new experience I've never had before. So it gives me something to look forward to. It gives me an experience I have never had. And I think that's something we lack in the pandemic is something you've never done before that's mm. fun and good. I love that. Uh, so like, I, I'm very excited for that, even though pre-pandemic i would not have chosen that as my trip of choice but this is a safe way Mm -hmm. to see my brother uh have fun be around people i haven't been around in a while eat some foods get some fresh air uh breathe some air that's not full of smoke hopefully (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm. I think having something to look forward to, big or small, is a really good thing that gets you through the week. It gets you like you're chasing something positive, and then you get that positive thing, and you got the reward of the positive thing, and then you set yourself a new something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. We've been trying to do like just plan something for one weekend like every month where Mm -hmm. we can look forward to it because yeah yeah, I've noticed that as well for me like having something to look forward to helps not only in the actual moment where you're doing that fun thing but in the weeks leading up to it where you're like planning little bits of it and anticipating parts of it hiking shoes yeah I would say look at hiking shoes (laughs) online today (laughs) for me the biggest thing is exercise Uh, in addition to, to therapy of course which I really would recommend for anyone anyone that's even feeling a little bit bad it's like they're down like it's we're gonna just, recommend it about four more times just yeah. like <laughs> seriously like take the step to google it it's find someone yeah. in your area um it's a little it can it can be tricky but it honestly doesn't take that long and so. you can do video chat there you can now. do video chats mm-hmm. now yeah for sure for sure um but yeah like don't don't let it get to the point where it's like you can do therapy even if you're like just feeling a little sad. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, you don't have to be like, right. oh, this is my therapist. I see them like every week for, yeah, you could for just, years. If you're happy, therapy is great. Yeah. If you yeah. are in the best place you've ever been, it's uh, talking, unpackaging your, yeah. your past is great. It's just someone that's going to listen to you in like an unbiased way. Right? What about, I, I know you crush cartoons, but also uh, you, you have the... Uh, I love animation. <laughs> you, you have the demeanor of, of hating happiness, which is obviously not true. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I I don't think I hate happiness, but I think I've learned how to live with sadness. And I think that's a really good distinction because, you know, it is really important. We always say generally like support system, but, you know, a lot of people don't have support systems. A lot of people don't have parents who who or, or families who yeah. understand what they're going through right. or are even open to that. And I think, um, you know, the way I think I realized that I coped was clearly I have the very cliche my outlet was my art. My outlet was expressing and interpreting my darkness through film, through dance, through through writing. But at the same time, what's interesting is I, it wasn't like solving the sadness. It was just re-channeling it into something that felt like it was moving somewhere as opposed to festering. Mm-hmm. And I think that that movement is for was for me was like very life-saving. It was good to feel yeah. like that it had, that it wasn't necessarily me being bad, which was always kind of one of my biggest fears was like, this is associated with me being a bad person, but I was channeling it towards something good in my mind, which at that at the very least for me was like projects, right? And I'm probably the biggest success story because can you imagine that my own mother didn't know I was ever sad until last year with my coming out video? Can you imagine mm-hmm. being so close to someone like me and my mom are tight? Yeah, like, you we really are, are loving mother mm-hmm. and son. She never knew I was depressed until 33 years old with that video, which was an expression of my sadness. Yeah. So I think that there's something really beautiful about one, understanding your unique situation, but two, knowing that your way of interpreting and then hopefully, uh, you know, creating a space for yourself to make the sadness work for you is going to be a long sense of discovery, it might be something as simple as exercise or turning off and watching Netflix. It could be as big as writing scripts or stories or drawing, Mm -hmm. but whatever it is, I think you just need to locate that and then develop it because it needs to be like the safe space, especially for people who, who just can't have a support system right now, especially during the pandemic where 
people might be stuck at home with their families or in situations where they just really have no one to talk to. And, you know, I think projects are another good thing to get you through, whether it's artistic or not. A project could just be like updating the tires on your car or like like a project mm-hmm. something that gives you the feeling of you installing some bookshelves something is incredibly valuable right now like something that you can choose to do and you can do it from start to finish and finish because completion gives you like a really good like amount of dopamine and serotonin like it just completion is good for for humans we like completing things uh so like if you are not working on something that you can complete, like that's something that like gives people stress is when it's impossible to complete. Like it's a, like a life project. Don't start those right now. Start <laughs> like little projects. If you've always wanted to cross stitch, cross stitch something really small so you can do it and yeah. it will not probably be very good, but then you'll have done it. And then if you want to do it again, do it again. And if you don't, who cares? You fucking already did it. <laughs> you crushed a, it. Put on a funny podcast and just do your fucking laundry. Yeah, do, just, yeah. Just do Honestly, it. Like, like, just knock that shit morning, off your list. There's Bam. been a drawer on my dresser that has always been broken. And I said, you know what? Don't tell Zach that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to fix it. Don't go and not it. only am I going to fix it, I'm going to prevent it from breaking again. Because wow, I know how wow. it keeps breaking. And it's, the little thing keeps coming out. So I tightened all the things and then I took finishing nails and I nailed it in so that it could not break that way again but i've been living with that broken drawer for three years i've i've had a broken drawer for Finish two years and i was like i made a list of like you know the things i wanted to do and i'm like this is wow. something i can do in 10 minutes i'm gonna I'm fucking do it mm-hmm. i'm gonna fucking do this right now this morning i'm sitting in my underwear i got no clothes on and i'm drilling and i'm hammering it is <laughs> amazing it. this is a this is a uh non sequitur this yeah. is a non sequitur but it's amazing how quickly we adapt to stupid broken things i have a drawer that the 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 nail like the the threading wore off uh-huh. and so the handle is off and so to open that drawer i need to open the drawer next to it and then pop my hand to open it and that's where i get my t-shirts that's where my t-shirts Ooh, live that's an important drawer every morning I use a broken drawer. It's been like this for probably close to two years. I have not fixed it. I will never fix it. You've got a handyman right fix here. It. You got to fix it. It's, you want to come over? It's easy. You know what? Sometimes, prove it. Here's, here's something. <laughs> you I know what, Keith? Come to my house and you fucking prove it, Here's bro. something I've realized. Every time I'm faced with a task that I think I cannot do, I remind myself that there are millions of people who have learned how to do this task. And it is learnable. Mm. Everything is learnable. It doesn't mean you'll learn it immediately, but everything is learnable. So if you look it up on the internet and you really try, you can probably figure it out. Like like replacing a doorknob, right? That seems like, oh, fuck, I'll never know how to do that. You know what? It's probably not that hard. Like, let me look up some videos. Let me go to Home Depot. I bet I can change that fucking doorknob. Yeah. And you can't. And like, if you've never like put a drill bit on a drill and just drill the hole into a wall, guess what? It's not that hard. It seems crazy. It makes a lot of noise. You're doing permanent damage. But you know what? You can do it. Mm-hmm. Miles, how have you been coping? Uh, well, thank you for asking. You brought us donuts. I brought you way. donuts. You're giving oh. other people joy. Well, yeah. Maybe that's the advice for this week. Sneak peek. <laughs> 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 the spoiler uh no i've been okay i think that like yeah i want what, another donut yeah, well yeah and enjoy another your donut bosses donuts. <laughs> in, in uh eugene what you were saying actually is like resonant to me because i think a lot of times happiness feels like a competition kind of you're like i'm gonna fix this and like oh if i do a couple things then like i'll get a little bit of that juice and i think honestly like a big part of going through my life and like i experienced lots of grief and stuff like that 
And I think yeah. a big part of it is like some days you're going to be a sad boy and learning to like enjoy that and be like, today I'm a sad boy. I'm watching a sad movie. I'm going to cry in my room. I'm going to listen to Elliot Smith and it's going to be a sad boy day. I'm going to eat total shit. Like, I think that that is also like embracing that and not being afraid of it and being like, I'm sad and that should shameful. Like, I think a lot of people feel shame right, right. when they're having kind of a down day. I think for me, being honest with my, me and my girlfriend, just being like, hey, like I'm feeling sad today and I'm bummed out and like let's just kind of do nothing and that's totally fine. I had myself a great cry the other day. Yeah. And it was extremely cathartic. I mean, I know why I cried. I was, I had a really bad flare up with my AS. I was frustrated. I, I didn't sleep well. So I was just, you know, like, there are a lot of reasons I cried. I was also anxious about the election. Uh, <laughs> but I think like above all, fancy football team is I'm going to, yeah, it's a real bad, bad bro. <laughs> real bad. I got nothing <laughs> going, that. but I, I think I just, you, sometimes you need a release and you hold on so, so tight that, that it, you know, it, it has to escape one way or another. And there's a lot of bad ways it could release. It could release as physical stress. It could release as lashing out in people in your life. Sometimes it's really helpful to just like, yeah, feel the feelings. Yeah. I, if you don't have a, a thing that you can go to a piece of media that you know will make you cry you should add that to your life like <laughs> it's good it's like it helps trigger that and you get to feel that emotion I didn't and you think get of to, that wait what's your cry media yeah i love this um i do i don't have music, I, I use a lot of youtube videos so for i don't know why something about me i am so incredibly moved anytime some four or five-year-old enters a singing competition (laughs) (laughs) america's got talent and they sing and their voice opens up and this like four-year-old is literally just has been given the greatest gift of vocal talent and then golden the person's like you're amazing i think your voice is so beautiful i'm so inspired by you and then they play the yeah 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 it's like very like yeah everything's going and that'll just do it for me all the time but it's children not not old women not like susan boyle those are they can work (laughs) but the children are always more effective because there's something so pure about a child who they don't children don't really understand um what they're doing sometimes they don't understand the scale of what is happening to them and it's like very pure and beautiful and it's inspiring (laughs) because like person can't have had vocal training <laughs> they just have a gift and it's like very cute and adorable and maybe it's because like i as a child would have loved yeah. to have that experience myself it is it, it is truly mm. like reflects your purity as a person yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> because cute. most people like like the um the trauma porn for lack of a better uh-huh. term they're like oh she as an old lady has been through so much uh-huh. but you are crying because the purity yeah, there's a, of the child. She yeah. as a young existence. child has been blessed with and they, such And what are we excellence. all but young children so, just wanting to and, and uh, so make beautiful. our parents I proud? They believe in themselves because like, it would take a lot of guts to get up on that stage sure. in front of an oh, audience sure. as a four-year-old and sing. And then there's something cool about that. And then also like just um, good music. Like good music that is performed in such a way that it's like it's supposed to be moving mm. music. Um, there's a choir that's an all-girls choir called scala and i don't know where they're from in the world they just cover just normal music but they do like covers of like sad like rock songs and the way they sing them is like hauntingly beautiful that works as well that will i mean the, en- the end of dear evan hansen gets me every time yeah, and that, I, beautiful. Just the soundtrack alone yeah. and i'm just in my car weeping 
I'll also say if you watch a TV show and you a character passes away, just Google fan montage oh, no. of that oh, man. for Grey's Anatomy. Any character who dies, oh, fan wow. montage. It'll be How to Save a Life by the Fray and just fading <laughs> images of them. It's like saddest shit ever. Ned Stark is just a, like a thirty second TikTok. How to <laughs> save a life. Uh, I'll give you one clip I return to. Oh yeah. So. I am very obvious. I have a lot I'm of so feels excited. for dogs and cats and pets mm-hmm. and animals, mm-hmm. um, especially like rehabilitation stories, stray dogs you get who find a forever oh, home. God. The Dodo is like a channel that does yeah. so much of that. Oh, I think I know. But yeah. there is a um, story that then that is very famous from Japan that then became an episode of Futurama called Jurassic Bark. <gasps> oh. that one, that'll get you right and there. the last 30 seconds to a minute of that episode is so traumatizing. So sad. And it's it's in one of the funniest animated series of all time. So it comes out of nowhere and it just destroys me. Now the base story is this this um, Shiba who I believe or a Jindo dog who waited for his owner, this is gonna make you cry, it's at so the train sad. station because his owner would go to work every day at the train and he'd come back. But the Jindo or the Shiba, he doesn't know that his owner dies. Uh, so then for the rest of his life, he sat uh, at the train station uh, until he died uh, there. So people would feed him because they'd be like, oh, this is what's his name's dog. Oh, my God. So he said, so then oh now there's God. a statue at that I'm train crying. station of the dog. No. So, so this, they based the Futurama story, uh, Jurassic Bark, off of that. So the, the ending, you're already tearing up. I love it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so sad. It's you're going to cry, Ned. You're so going to cry and you're going to love it. Yeah, the dog thinks Futurama he's coming back. The dog thinks he's coming back. So sad. So it's the same thing with Futurama except Fry gets cryogenically frozen and then uh, a thousand years in the future, but the dog doesn't know that, so he stays at the pizza parlor. Uh And it flashes through seasons and then he just lies down at the end and closes Mm. his eyes and that's the end. (laughs) Anyway. That's so sad. What about you, Zach? sad. I've told you guys I cry on airplanes, right? We've talked about this on the podcast. Oh, yeah. For a second episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's crying on airplanes. Oh, yeah, there you go. Is it a particular movie that makes you cry? Well, I mean, my mind just goes to like up. Uh, but honestly, the any most Michael Giacchino, Giacchino, Michael Giacchino scores really get me. He's mm-hmm. the guy that did Up, a lot of Pixar movies, but the Lost, Lost soundtrack. <laughs> the the <laughs> it's the the song is called Life and Death, and it's doom doom doom. The only song I know to play on piano. Wow, <laughs> play it for me, Miles, and I will cry on your play couch. Play it again, um, did, they, did they use that during? They use it so much. Okay. Spoiler. Uh, yeah, also, spoiler. Huge fucking spoiler. People, people huge fucking spoiler. This spoiler. show is almost 20 Still years old. Still debating <laughs> whether I should dive into it. You not. should. Mm. They use it I though. Hear it ends very disappointingly. I know, but it's about the journey, Ned. Life is disappointing, it but it's perfect. the journey that's beautiful. <laughs> well, I only got so many hours in the day. No, five seasons are perfect. And then season six, uh-huh. maybe you'll get around to. This is, this is all pretty sad. <laughs> I, you know, I need some advice to get me out of this. Let's kick it over to the youngest and least experienced of us to give us some advice. Advice that'll go for Miles with Miles. Oh, this bon is going to be a jarring theme song. <laughs> oh my God. What did I say last week? What did I say yeah. the other week? Miles? I'm busy. I asked you for original. Okay. I'm doing four podcasts. Okay? I don't give four a shit. If you can't handle it, you are dying. You know what's making me cry? The lack of creativity. I have four podcasts. Wait, can't you just add some timpani? Add some timpani. I'll add a little bit. I'll change it up a little bit. 
Wow, Ned left. Why did yeah, Ned leave? Ned, he always uh, goes to Peter. Right Ned now. up and left. Um, have you ever wanted to freaking bang your friends? <laughs> Here we go. And I'm not talking sex. Okay. Oh. Have you ever wanted to hold hands with a lover? And I'm not talking friends. Give, give a gift. Give a gift. <laughs> give, give a gift. Oh yeah. Give a gift. Give a gift. Give a gift to your friends and or bosses and or donuts. Wait, no, give a gift to donuts. Give, I gave donuts to you guys today because I thought, you know, it's a way to cheer up your humble, sexy bosses. <laughs> if you give them some donuts for breakfast and or give a gift to your friends. I have been doing this recently every once in a while when I can remember. Just a small <laughs> gift. <laughs> so many qualifiers. <laughs> Just a small gift. For example, I got Sarah a little Baby Yoda figurine. Love we, it. Which is cute. cute. Mm-hmm. And I got another I got another friend a different gift that I'm having trouble remembering, but I did give him a gift. But I definitely did I that. I definitely did. <laughs> Miles got me a fucking hell of a gift. That and was it another. Yeah, made lit cool for you. up my life. It yeah. was a lost special edition Ooh. season five box set that is meant to look like this like water damaged old archival box and it had Dharma initiative Ooh. like orientation letters. And then in the back, oh, yeah. there is a sealed envelope. <laughs> that I have decided I am going to not open for Whoa. 20 years. <laughs> what? And it is my personal mystery box, and I'm not going to open it until my kids watch Lost, and then one day I'm like, yo, Jeez. you guys want to fucking open this? And it's going to be super underwhelming. It's going to be like an advertisement to like buy something else. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a coupon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you give a little gift, I don't know, I mean, f you know, f fuck Bezos, but you can just get him a little Amazon thing too. You know, like, <laughs> you can get him like, just order a little trinket or a little something to have it show up. Also a fun thing, if you have stuff, if you send a gift and you don't say who it's from and you can just send a hat that just says like, bongo, bongo time. You Somebody gets that and they go, what the fuck is this? Who sent me a hat that says bongo time? And it's a secret little mystery for them to solve. Oh. Well, I can say that as someone who's received a gift once and didn't tell us who it was a friend, it really freaked us out. Yeah. Uh, but it was, just, <laughs> well, it was cat toys before anyone knew we had a cat. And Eugene and Matt gave us a cat subscription box, but we didn't know who sent it to us. And also, we hadn't told anyone about the cat. So we're like, how the fuck did somebody find wow. out, A, our address, and B, that we had a cat and needed cat toys? And it totally, was so freaked us out, we didn't open it. We, we knew. We you knew. knew. Okay, they got okay. a cat. But they were thinking, like, who the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I just, we didn't post about it. Like, I, we just told our yeah. friends. We didn't, we didn't tell them that we were sending mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. it showed up, and we're like, who the fuck? Who the fuck? What the, where is this from? That's Who's funny. spying on us? <laughs> You know, that is a skill, remembering to give gifts for basic things. Mm -hmm. I'm terrible at I'm it. I'm bad. I'm Matt bad. is too. so good at it. Ariel's really good at it. Matt, yes. Matt Ariel, that. Yeah. Oh my God. But it's like for, there's there's um rules. Like you're supposed to give a gift for a certain point with housewarming. You're supposed to give a gift when someone announces something. I've never adhered to those things because I guess I've opted out from the beginning. Mm. But Certainly, it's good to live with someone who knows. I found that if you see something really cool, you should get it and keep it 
as a gift you can give to someone else. Yes. So like, mm. for example, this is not something that I got, but it was something that I saw was cool. Uh, when Tesla launched the flamethrower thing, I was like, oh, that would be a cool gift for anybody. Just like, here's this thing. Here's the <laughs> thing. Here's a flamethrower. Here's a flamethrower. Happy 10th birthday, Brian. Smiles, <laughs> <laughs> smiles. That, yeah. la that last bit was actually useful advice. That was a good advice. Yeah. Why didn't you yeah. leave with that? Wow. <laughs> your, your advice well, was give. His advice was just give a gift. Give so a gift. It was just more specific. Yeah. Here's but I do agree. Yeah. Like my mom does that too. She'll actually mm -hmm. do all of her Christmas shopping for the next year, uh, the two weeks after Christmas. She like will buy, she'll just buy stuff that oh, she assumes her someone will must want. Be awesome. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this is a cool mug. I'm gonna buy this and with the plan to figure out wow. someone to give it to <laughs> wow. so later in the year. Because everything's way cheaper after yeah. Christmas. I didn't realize the, mugs could be cool. Matt does the same well, thing you know, with to, um, to, to mothers. They're very cool. <laughs> Matt does the same thing with cards. He just has a slew of cards uh -huh. in a drawer because sometimes you send a card, apparently. That's yeah. true. There are, you're supposed to send cards for pretty much every holiday to your parents, turns out. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Mother's Day, son. Father's Day, both of their birthdays, Christmas, uh, probably not Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving, you don't have to send any cards. <laughs> I, I'll uh, add to the gift-giving thing that whether you're receiving a gift or you just want to help yourself feel better is to to express gratitude for like all the things in your life that are good. Oh you know? yeah. Like Annette. certainly gifts, but like what are, what are things that you're thankful for? And I'm grateful for you. Oh, thanks man. I'm grateful for you. I was going to actually say when you were talking about um the whole knee story uh something that came out of it is I'm I'm always very impressed with how productive you are. Like you get done way more things that I could ever get done than I could ever be focused on. So like uh, experiences that happen in your life certainly shape you and in some ways they shape you in ways that you perceive as negative but they also always are shaping you in ways that are positive uh, you know all the the tough things you went through did yield an, an amazing artistic ability that is certainly unmatched by our peers anywhere like it, you're very gifted and talented and driven and it's inspiring me all the time and even and Zach you talk about being OCD about things but it's so necessary for our company to have you be OCD about things or otherwise we things wouldn't get done and then we'd have to go back and be like, fuck, we should have done that two months ago. Um, and uh, even fucking Miles over here is not even paying attention to my sweet sentiment. Like, <laughs> it's like you are running for a podcast and you're leading the charge on a whole new division. And even the idea yeah. of us doing a podcast is something you brought to us and it's been a very successful endeavor. And, uh, you know, I, you should tell people around you that you're impressed by them uh, because sometimes people are doubtful of themselves. So, yeah, uh, and, and we don't we don't say nice things to each other as much as we should. And this might close the loop I, yeah expressing gratitude to people in your life but also as ned said to yourself yeah, and maybe yeah. that's a way to that's what i meant but yeah i love that for that. But i mean i, mean, I, I'll I take just I, it was just day. something i wanted to say during that time and i didn't <laughs> yeah, want to interrupt yeah, for sure uh, yeah, what yeah. You're saying. no but it, all of it is is like really good vibes and maybe it's a way to turn uh negatives into positives so so for me personally like i have a an ailing body and i can it it's, would be very easy to get sad about all the time but instead i i like to express gratitude to my body so whenever i do yoga or uh, a hike i you know i sound kind of crazy but i will when i'm like out of breath and i'm getting to the top of the mountain i just go thank you body thank you body and then i get to the top and i go thank you body and i just mm. like i you know what i should be saying is fuck you body you stupid broken motherfucker <laughs> you in a shape you why piece of shit. <laughs> well like why do you hurt me all the time why do you give me so much? but instead i i thank it mm -hmm. for being able to do anything that it can do and i i find that that really helps mm -hmm. me mm-hmm 
after we finish this podcast, I'm going to make you guys listen to the video that I specifically use from Britain Scott. <laughs> oh, wow. A child okay. named Connie okay. singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You ever cry with your bros? <laughs> it's the one. It's the best one. All right. Well, well we should also just thank Keith at the end nah, for all cute. those wonderful things you just said. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, who has been proven by actual lie detectors that you are, in fact, everyone's yeah. favorite. Uh, <laughs> daddy's favorite. Daddy is all of the daddies. <laughs> Every it's, daddy. It's a plural possessive all this time. Yeah. <laughs> You'd probably do well with literal daddies, too. If I, I take you so. to the right bar. That's true. You are, oh, you're thinking actual dads, like people's dads. You actually do well with dads. I dads love me. Man, you actually Especially are with that whole attitude about fixing your own doorknob. You that's are a fucking oh, dad. Yeah, that's for sure. Man, if I had game. a dad, I'd introduce you first and foremost. Yeah. You, do, you do have a dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we all have dads. <laughs> no, if I had a dad, somewhere. he just popped up right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, Ned's a dad. Yeah, I, I love you, man. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope that this was helpful in any way uh, to help you feel seen and heard. Um, and you know, just just know if you're if you're sad right now, you're not alone. And bugging, man, just keep chugging. I don't know. Send keep, us a tweet. Keep trying. <laughs> say hey on Twitter. I'll say hey back. But tweet keep- us pictures of your gifts. <laughs> 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 Well, Keith, you are daddy's favorite, so why don't you hit us with a little tripod theme song? It's another day, an eternal day. It's like Groundhog's Day, but without all the laughs, and we're getting through it together. One same day at a time, the tripod. Until next time, stay beautiful. Please vote. Please vote.